Again, free thinkers, and welcome back to the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Well, guys, I hope everyone out there in Clown World USA is doing okay. Hopefully, you guys had a good weekend, and hopefully, you had a chance to listen to our podcast from last week. It's such an important one, guys. A, a young woman. Uh, has been sitting in a cage for the past four months now after she legally bought Kratom in Florida, a state where it's legal, but was arrested when she drove 200 feet over the Alabama state line. And uh, we decided to dedicate most of our content this past week uh, to highlighting her case. So yeah, guys, please listen to that one and please share it. But most importantly, please consider donating to help Shana Brown get a a good defense. She needs some good lawyers here. Uh, It's so important. But this week, we have a a wonderful guest joining us. Our guest this week is Charlie Robinson. And I love Charlie. Charlie is witty. He's sharp. He's well-spoken. And he's a straight shooter who will definitely tell you how it is. Our conversation with Charlie touched on quite a few topics, including the first annual American Liberty Awards, uh, the destruction of the American empire, the trans agenda, and of course the associated transhumanism agenda. And at the end, we ended up getting weird talking about the recent UFO whistleblower testifying in Congress. So open your mind, set your brain to critical thinking mode, And let's dive into our conversation with author and podcast host, Charlie Robinson. Charlie, what's up, man? Thanks so much for coming on the Free Thought Project podcast with us today. And, uh, you know, you were kind enough to have me on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. I certainly had a great time talking with you about filming police. Uh, we got into the, the digi dogs and how to deal with hot-headed cops. But uh, now it's our turn to ask you some questions, and I'm excited to have you on to pick your brain about some current topics. But I also wanted to talk strategy uh, when it comes to reach and growth in podcasting. And the reason I say that is because uh, you are the host of the Macroaggressions podcast, which has not only had some stellar guests over the years, but more importantly, about a month or so ago, your podcasts actually crossed the 5 million downloads milestone, which is absolutely huge. So uh, I'm certain that you'll have some knowledge and tips to instill with our audience who might be trying to, to grow their own podcast and get it off the ground. But you were also recently nominated for the American Liberty Awards for your book, The Octopus of Global Control, which was published in 2017. 
Now, I was actually surprised to see that the Free Thought Project was a nominee as well for Best Memes, which was kind of cool. Uh, but, you know, I might be living under a rock here. Um, is this the do you know, is this the first annual American Liberty Awards? And also, are, are you planning on being there at the award ceremony in Austin, Texas? And in, in like, what, 15, 16 days? Yeah, first, as far as I know, it's the first one. And I am going to go, you know, my family is out of town that weekend anyway. So I'm kind of at home by myself for, for the whole week, actually. And it's happening on uh, August 12th in Austin, Texas on a Saturday night at a place down on 6th Street. So I thought, well, there's worse places to be <laughs> in the middle of the summer on a Saturday night than Austin, Texas at an award show. I was blown away. Listen, I got this. My book got nominated for most truth revealing book, which I'm I'm unbelievably flattered, humbled by it all. But let's also let's get honest now. I'm going up against Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, David Icke's book, uh, Alex Jones has one, Whitney Webb has one, and the new Ed Dowd book. I mean, I'm I'm not going to win in this category, but it's not to me. It's really not even about not even about winning. I mean, what do you what do we win in this? You know, in the alternative media we win getting banned yes. <laughs> i mean i don't know winning winning is subjective i suppose but i i'm just i'm excited that there's recognition for what we do i listen you guys should be you guys win the award for memes that get stolen by other <laughs> other content creators the most i mean you definitely there's no contest there you they might as well just give you guys the award for that right away because everybody always steals your stuff um but uh, yeah and, and then the macroaggressions got nominated for best analysis broadcast and best info bomb creator i'll be honest i don't know what an info bomb is yes. but i'm assuming i'm creating it or at least somebody thinks i am <laughs> so i'll i'll take it i mean it's it's um it's just you know look it's nice to be recognized in it because we're in an industry that isn't set up to really reward us very much we're not we're certainly not rewarded financially we know that you talked about like the you know, getting your reach, you know, maximizing your reach. It's a grind. There's, there's no easy way to do this. It used to be that like you'd put, you know, you'd maybe put your, your work up on YouTube and grab, grab a following that way. And if your content was compelling, it would get suggested. And if it got suggested to the right people, then maybe they would suggest it to, to their friends and it grew that way. And, and they've taken that away from us uh, many years ago, and it's had a financial impact. It's had an impact on reach. So when you get nominated for something like this, even though it's not like a, you know, it's not going to do, it's not going to do anything for me necessarily one way or the other. It's just nice to get some sort of recognition that we're we're really fighting an, an uphill battle, and we do it because we think that it's important to do. We're certainly not in this industry to make money. If I wanted to if I wanted to make money, I was working in new home sales for a long, long time in Las Vegas. I'd, I'd still be doing that. I could make a lot of money doing that. And, and it's not about that. It's about like, what do you, what do you, what is compatible with your soul? <laughs> you know? And since I had my epiphany as to, you know, what we're doing here on this planet and, and, and what's happening to us, I, I can't go back to a normie job like that. So I decided I had to make, I had to make this my job. I had to make writing books, my job and doing podcasts. And, and, and in order to do that, thank God, um, 
thank God I went to school and have a marketing degree <laughs> because it's 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 been the first time I really felt like it's been useful uh, since graduating. And so I've had to kind of get creative and figure out is the best ways I can to promote the content in a world in which content like ours is not actively promoted. Absolutely, brother. And oh, man. So, okay, you have a marketing degree that actually makes a lot more sense. Sometimes I, I look at your content. I'm like, man, Charlie's so clever the way he presents this or, you know, the, the way you you roll out certain information. It, it's brilliant, man. And you've certainly refined you. the process over the years. And, you know, rightfully so. I, I think uh, I know I said this in your podcast, but you deserve to be on this American Liberty Awards uh, list you. here. And yeah, you know, respect, you know, you, you should have respect for what you do, uh, you know, and I think that's more or less what this comes down to. You're right. I don't think there's going to be any type of financial uh, benefits, you know, I mean, maybe it, it might, you know, pad your ego a little bit. Maybe you'll get a few more uh, followers on Twitter or something like that. And of course, boot the, boost the, the clout. But um, ultimately, I think this is a great idea. And I, I could only see this picking up more momentum over as the years go on, because this is starting to become a more popular topic. More and more people are starting to wake up and realize what's going on. And so I think people are hungry for this information very much like they were when, you know, we first started the Free Thought Project back in 2013. Of course, it's a whole new wave of a whole new, you know, bunch of critical thinkers who've just started to kind of figure out what the hell's going on. But, uh, you're right. You know, social media has completely changed. Uh, so I think it's good to to shine a light on the people who are doing the good work. And, you know, I was kind of surprised to see here. I, I don't know if you've checked out the website at all, but they actually do have the, the awards listed here. And so, you know, for each category, which, whether it be like the most trusted broadcast or the most trusted print media, uh, they actually have like a, a list here. I don't know if these are actually the people who've been voted in as winners, but you know, there's one through, you know, 15, 16 different names of different organizations or individuals. But some of these here are a bit, a bit actually surprising. I haven't even heard of some of these people. And in fact, uh, you know, best investigative journalist, Whitney Webb's not even on there. So, I mean, that's, that seems like a crime in itself. And there, yeah, there's some confusion here. I, I don't know. I guess it's Rob Dew from Infowars is maybe the person who's behind all this. If, if he, I'm not he's hosting, from what I've heard, he's hosting it. I think Matt Baker is involved in it and somebody else. Okay. I really don't know. I've been communicating with them via email, but, and they just asked if I was going to, you know, if I was interested in coming to the, to the awards. And I said, yeah, of course, yeah, I would actually. Yeah. And I don't think it's a, um, you know, I don't know that it's the, the full, list of, uh, I mean, I think that there's, there's room for improvements on the list for sure. And, and there's some names on there I don't recognize. And yes, if Whitney Webb is not on there as investigative reporter, there's, there's, there's a glaring <laughs> hole there, I believe. Um, so I don't know what the criteria was for nomination or anything like that, but you know, th this has just been, this is, you know, we're sort of forced into, um, I don't know. I guess looking at this this whole, you know, the the way we promote ourselves in a in a very different way. I I'll tell you, I benefited from um my the my podcast came about 
not because I had any intention of starting a podcast, but it came about because I was, I had to promote my book, my first book, the octopus and, and nobody knew who I was and I don't have a, a, a marketing team behind me or anything. So I was the marketing team. And so from doing that, I wound up having to go on a bunch of shows and that's how I think I'm, that's how I met the people that I met. That's how I uh, was able to, you know, get people familiar with the book. And, uh, you know, like you said, it, it came out in 2017. The fact that it was even on this, this list at all is kind of crazy to me because it's, you know, there, there's been two books since then, but this seems to be the one that people kind of, uh, attach themselves to because it's, it's, you know, it's written in a real easy way. It's uh, normies can understand it. People that have been in this, uh, you know, following these topics for a long time, they can understand it. And, um, you know, for it to be labeled as a most truth revealing book is, uh, it's flattering, but you know, the, but I have to, I have to be honest, the other people on that, that list with me, you know, Whitney, you know, I read her books and, um, you know, that's a, it was described, her books were described by Catherine Austin Fitz as an encyclopedia of criminality. <laughs> and I thought, oh man, wow. it certainly is, you know, and then you've got David Icke on there and Alex Jones. And listen, you know, these are guys that have been around for a long, long time. And if I'm being completely honest, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for David Icke and Alex Jones. And people have you know, there are compliments for those guys and they have their criticisms for them as well. And I, and I understand all of that, but, but when you're waking up and you're sucking in all of this information from a variety of sources, you have to recognize that sometimes these people are the reason why you are interested in it and the work that David did and the work that Alex did and in talking about the things that they talked about in the, my, the years when I was having this awakening was really important to me. You know, and so, and, and it's funny because, you know, I'm going to come back from the, the trip and, um, the following Monday after this, I've got David Ike coming on, on macroaggressions and it's, it's the second time it's happened, but it's like an out of body experience for me <laughs> because I'm talking to somebody that I really, and, and of course, you know, and we met in Mexico at a Narcapulco and we've chatted in, in person and, and, you know, before. So I try to like, you know, be cool, man, be cool. You know, don't, don't, but, but inside it's a big deal to me. So, so I, you know, when I say that I'm, I'm just kind of flattered to be on this list, I really mean it because the people, the other people on this list are people that I really respect and people whose work has inspired me to do my work. So boy, you know, I mean, just being in the room with all of these people is going to be interesting. I'll report back to you guys. I'll let you know how it went and, and, and see, um, you know, how the, how the night turned out. And, and I don't know, I don't know anything about it really, except that I'm going to show up and whoever's there, let's, let's have a good time. And whoever wins, let's, uh, stand up and applaud them because we know this work is difficult and, uh, and, uh, we'll see you next year, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I could certainly understand that sentiment with Ike. You know, we had Ron Paul on the podcast back in April, and that was a big moment for us here at the Free Thought Project. I mean, they only gave us 20 minutes, you know, with him because he's he's a busy guy. But, you know, those 20 minutes were pure gold. And I think we actually even milked out about 26 altogether. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I well, I feel that way, too, about when, when I see Dr. Paul at Anarchapulco. Sure. You know, you, you, you. 
I, I, I look at him and I go, wow, you know, if I were to read out his, his, the statistics behind Ron Paul, he should rightly be booed off the stage, right? 20 years in American politics, Republican, you know, working in Congress, you know, those are the people that get booed off the stage at Anarchapulco normally, but this guy dedicated his life to the right things and always stood up for the little guy and was always anti-war and would be the only person that would say the thing that everyone wanted a politician to say, but nobody would say it. Dr. Paul would be the one to say it. So I, I really connected with him. And when we saw him just a couple months ago and at Anarchapulco and then later at his dinner, he was pumped up, man. He still, he still got it. And, <laughs> and, and I love his passion. And I hope that when I'm his age, I'm, I'm still as pissed off about everything as he is. <laughs> as he seems so good at it. Seriously, man, that, that fervor and that, that passion is certainly inspiring. I don't know how he's not burnt out, you know, like you see these, yeah. these, uh, articles from him, like, you know, uh, protesting for sound money back in like the 1970s, you know? And I mean, of course he looks a little bit different, but it's still the same Ron Paul and he, he just hasn't wavered, you know, he's so consistent and that's why we love him. You know, that's one of the many reasons why we love him. And, you know, just to, just to be clear here, when I was talking about the American Liberty Awards and everybody who's on these lists here, like this is a good thing. Ultimately, you know, obviously our egos kind of get involved and you want to feel like you're being productive. You want to feel like you're reaching people and, and having some type of effect to, to open up minds and, and change hearts. But I mean, ultimately, this is what we want. And, you know, sometimes in interviews and maybe even in your interview, I complain a little bit that there's been several new waves of influencers and organizations that you know, have come along. But this is a good thing. This is ultimately a good thing. This is what we want. We want more people in the liberty sphere, whether you know they maybe are anarchists or lean a little bit right or whatever. We want more and more people focusing on liberty, focusing on these topics and these issues. And I think the more that we do that, the more we're going to see some type of collective um, change, you know, in in the right direction. Whether it be building the, the parallel economies or some type of overhaul uh, in in you know, government, whether if that's even possible, I don't know the, obviously the Mises caucus and libertarian party are doing big things there. So fingers crossed, but, uh, you mentioned your, your book, the octopus of global control and how that was nominated here. And, you know, that's a bit of a head scratcher to me as well, Charlie, because you have a book that, you know, you had mentioned Jeff Berwick here that you, you wrote with Jeff Berwick, uh, who's, you know, he's a pretty big name in this movement. I mean, he's, uh, yeah. he's been around forever. He's the the founder of, you know, Anarcho Poco. Um, and that book of course is called the controlled demolition of the American empire. Uh, a few days ago, I heard you speak uh, about the name of the book on the Monero magazine podcast. What you had said about it was a great summarization, which aligned with, I guess, many of the economic and geopolitical moves that have been taking place over the past six months or so, you know, the de-dollarization uh, is certainly happening. Uh, there's a, a new gold-backed currency that was recently announced by the BRIC Nation Alliance. Uh, you know, they're they're touting now, and that could have some major uh, impacts on, you know, kind of upending the, the U.S. dollar as the global reserve. So you also mentioned that the controllers of the world have decided that America will no longer be the world's superpower. Can you expand on that a little bit and, and what made you write this book with Jeff Berwick? Yeah, you know, Berwick is such a funny character. He's 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 
you know, he's Jeff and Lucy and tacos and kisses and he's all of these things. But he's also the guy that, you know, when we put this book out, we, we put it out on a Friday. He did the most Jeff Berwick thing you can do on when the night that we released the book, which was the Friday before Election Day 2020. It became a number one bestseller on Election Day 2020. But we released it that Friday right before. He spent Friday in jail in Mexico for fighting with cops. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> This is somehow perfect. This is just, this is exactly how I, you know, I remember telling my wife, she goes, well, how's the release coming? I go, Berwick's in prison in, in Mexico for fighting with cops. She goes, oh my God, that's terrible. I go, no, no, you don't understand. It's perfect. It's exactly how it should be. It's funny though, because this is, this. when I talked about earlier about like promoting the book and going on podcasts and, and, and doing this to try and get my, my first book out there, that that's how Controlled Demolition came about, was going on Anarchast and talking to Jeff. And when we got done recording, we still kept uh, commenting. He made a, he he said something to me uh, during the interview, or or maybe it was right afterwards about you know it's all coming down, and I was like, what do you mean? You know, he says it's all coming down like like a house of cards, and I was like, oh oh yeah yeah yeah, like you know the financial system and all of this, and then he said, well he says I've got an idea for a book. I, I you know, would you be interested in working on a book with me? And I said, yeah, of course. I mean, let's talk. And he sent he said I'll send over some ideas, and he sent them over, and I looked at them, and they were good ideas. But I could not get it out of my head when he said it's all coming down. And I thought, you know, in my head, oh, you mean like a controlled demolition, you know, like Building 7, it's all coming down. It's being made to come down. And so I I, I responded back to him. I said, listen, how about this as an idea? Why don't we take some, some of your, some of the guts of what you're talking about, Jeff, but let's frame it like this. Let's make the comparison that the way you would take down an actual building. I lived in Las Vegas for 10 years. When they take down a casino, they make a big show out of it. You know, they rig it. They, they, they pre, first of all, they identify where the support columns are on the, on the hotel, right? You got to know where those are. You pre-weaken it by cutting some of those, not enough so that the structure is really compromised, but just enough so that you don't have to use a ton of dynamite when you need to blow it out. So you, you pre-weaken the building, you, then you've got to go through and you've got to find all the little places where you can rig detonators and you do that. And you, you know, you make sure everything you, but you know, the question is who's wiring this building. So we had a chapter about who's wiring. Then you, you, uh, sound the alarm. You let everybody know it's about to come down. Then you push down the plunger and then you clear out the debris. And so we sort of, you know, I, I said, listen, like, why don't we just make this comparison with how you take down a building with how you take down the American empire. I laid this whole thing out, detailed email. I sent it over to him and his response, I, I'll never forget his response was, I like your idea better. Let's do that. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, Let's go. So we started on that and we started on controlled demolition. Um, and I really wanted to have it out for Narcopulco 2020. Hmm. And I did everything I could to get it done and, and to and do my part. But Jeff is Jeff and Jeff's got a million things going on and it just wasn't ready, you know? And I was like, dang, man, it would have been perfect timing. But that, that was just, that was my self-imposed time frame you know there was there was no real reason why we had to have it out at that particular time and it's a good thing we didn't because three weeks after narcopulco 2020 covid kicks off and i was like whoa man we need to check this out and see see what's happening so we took a little break we took about six months off of the book just to watch the response for covid and what was happening and then after about 
sept in about September 2020, I I sent Jeff an email saying, I think I've seen enough. How about you? And he said, Yeah, I think I've seen enough too. I think I know where this is going. So then we finished it all up and put and put the book out and and that 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 happened right before the elections. And so, you know, we 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 talked about how like when when there are certain things that you're going to be able to look for. And if you see them coming, you're going to know that the end is near. And we talked about banking, you know, we, t- it's really, bo- you know, people dismiss banking because it's so boring, you know, and nobody yeah. really cares. Yeah, central banking and mm-hmm. fed and uh, who cares? It's all numbers and math and, you know, but it's super important, especially when you try to understand control structures and how things really work and, and all the scams that are played, you really have to understand money and the dollar and what it is and maybe more importantly, what it isn't. And and so we said, listen, you're going to have a systemic banking collapse at some point here. It, it, when Jeff mentioned it's all coming down, he wasn't kidding. It It's all coming down because it's all interconnected. You've got two quadrillion dollars of derivative bets on each other's books, you know, all these major banks. If So you may be running your bank as well as can be expected. And maybe you've got a ton of reserves and maybe you're very conservative. But if you've got derivative banks uh, bets with Deutsche Bank and Deutsche Bank is run like, you know, a raccoon on meth, <laughs> th- those guys are just out of their minds over there. Then, then you're only as strong as they are. And when they screw up, which is inevitable and is definitely coming. And is the trigger that Jeff and I point out is watch Deutsche Bank, how Deutsche Bank goes, the world goes. When they fall apart and they can't pay up on their sides of the bets, well, then you might have had a winning bet you know, in your mind, but it's a, it's a losing bet because the other side can't pay you. And so that starts to pull down your balance sheet and then your balance sheet starts to pull down somebody else's balance sheet. And it really is like a domino effect. It really, that's why people get so caught off guard when they go, well, these banking collapses, I thought they would take like, I thought it would be in slow motion. It's like, no, no, it'll be like Friday afternoon. And then everything's screwed Monday morning, you know, and it'll happen really quick. So we we talked about that and we painted this picture of 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 how you you know if you're if you're trying to create a world government and that's what these lunatics want to do you can't do that if there's a superpower in your way you know it's it's a real problem so and with america being the last superpower you've got to kind of hollow it out you've got to you've got to make sure it's not a real threat to you so you can do that in a variety of ways and that's kind of what we talk about with the pre-weakening of the building you would do something like nafta you know it doesn't destroy america it right then in the mid 90s but give it a generation you know give it a generation where there's 50,000 industrial factories that have been shipped overseas and and what that does to the rust belt and what that does to blue collar jobs and what that does to savings and home values and tax bases and all these things, everything matters. And so it's like lighting a fuse on America that takes 30 years to go off, you know, and, and here we are, we're at the point where a lot of these policies, the private prison industry, which is a stain on humanity, um, the, 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 omnibus crime bills, all these things that that were put into place in the 90s that really hollowed out America are are evident right now. And I think that that's kind of where where we've gotten as a nation, which is where we're sort of um, that's why we put, you know, the, the, the cover of the book has uh, building seven wrapped in an American flag because you you 
you can almost hear the BBC reporter reporting on the demise of the American empire 20 minutes before it happened. You know what I mean? Certainly. Like you you get the feeling that Jane Stanley is going to be reporting that the American empire has fallen 20 minutes before it's actually fallen because that's what happened on 9-11 and that's what it feels like with us right now. So it's been, you know, it's been a trip to write this book. And of course, the whole time, never wanted to be wrong about something so much in my life. You know what I mean? It's like, sure. because to, to be right is to be right about, Oh, just a, a real hard time that's coming our way. And, and I don't wish this on us and I don't, um, and I don't, you know, I know that it's going to bring a lot of pain for a lot of people that aren't paying attention, but it's out of our control. It's not something that, that Jeff and I are summoning or creating or manifesting or anything. It's coming whether we want to believe it or acknowledge it or not. And what we're saying is, well, let's get honest about it and let's make use this time right now to position yourself and move out of the way to the extent that you can so that you don't get hit, you know, right in the face with with what's coming. And, and if you if you're somebody that's into the alternative media and, and listening to shows like this or mine, you know, or reading these books it's going to be sort of like having a bit of a crystal ball because you're going to see what's ha what's coming before it comes. And, and, and that'll be a good thing for a lot of people that can get themselves out of the way. But I dread, I dread it for the general public because they're not even going to know what hit them. Yeah. I mean, it, the reaction and the solutions offered by the state during these economic times that we're inevitably going to experience are going to be the, you know, the most horrific part of all that. And, uh, and I don't know that the American empire will be around us to, to see it, but the empire that will rise up after that is going to be far worse than anything we've ever seen. I believe, you know, we're going to be seeing the CBDCs. We're going to be seeing facial recognition, the technocratic police state, like we've never, you know, never could even imagine. And um, like, so you, you, you know, you mentioned these banking collapses and whatnot, Charlie, like what, what are some of the other, I guess, uh, acts of controlled demolition that you've been seeing that, uh, that will happen besides like in financial respect. Well, it, I'll tell you one of the things in, in, and we make, we often make this comparison to Rome, to the fall of these empires is that, that there's a very predictable cycle, like an eight part cycle. And when you look at all the, the empires that have come before and how they've gone out, they follow a very predictable pattern. And it's undeniable when you look at the American empire that we're at the eighth stage of this, uh, we're, we're, we're just right there. It's, it's, it's kind of hard to deny it. But one of the things that Jeff and I talked about that that's really important, you know, we talk about financial hollowing out of a, of a society and, and what that does, and it has a huge impact for sure. But how do you even quantify the cultural impact of destroying a society's belief system to get them to believe nonsense, to get them to believe that there's 115 different genders and, that, and, and, and absurdities, men can get pregnant and all these things. This is what happens at the tail end of empires when the wheels start to come off from a cultural standpoint. Because if you've got a nation that's very independent and very proud of its heritage and very proud of what it's accomplished and who it's been, then there's a sense of we're going to stop and we're going to defend this. And this is what we've always done. And we, you find this strength, but if you conditioned the general public to hate the country, 
and I'm no statist, don't get me wrong, uh, uh, but, but, to, but to, to despise and to always look back on the history and all of the horrible things that America has done, rightly so. I mean, a lot of it, 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 it there's, you don't have to make up things that America has done uh, horribly to, to other nations, to indigenous people that have been here, that's well documented. But, but if, you, if you continue that pushing of nonsense, of of truly anti-science beliefs, not the sort of anti-science that we were told during COVID, but, but actual anti-science, the things that go against reason and logic. And you start to gut society culturally, boy, it has a huge impact. It is, it's hard to measure, but you know it when you see it. It's, it's what Yuri Bezmenov described as uh, demoralization. And it's a process that takes a while. And he talked about it, you know, when he was with Ed Griffin, they're, they're sitting there in those 1970s outfits talking about the process of demoralization. It takes 40 years. And I'm going, shit, get my calendar. Uh, you know, I mean, 1979, you know, 89. Oh, it's here. It's here, baby. You know, it's like it's been 40 years. What Yuri was talking about is 100 percent happening. The demoralization, the cultural subversion coming from inside all these all these ideas ideas didn't exist when we were kids. They're being made to happen. They're being taught in school, critical race theory and common core. And if you can, if you can break somebody's brain, if you can get them to believe the, the Winston Smith two plus two equals five, or in, in more modern terms, three times four equals 11 in common core math, provided that you can show your work, you know, this is the first step towards destroying a society. If you can get them to just become ambivalent about facts and and go with more feelings over facts then you're on a road towards cultural decay and once you've got that you know it's that 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 whole the whole, you just kick the door down and the whole structure comes in and that that that's where we are it feels like as a society and those of us that are paying attention and we're watching it we're it's obvious to us we can see it. It feels like a high level view where you can just see the degeneracy and the, the, the social decay and the, the, you know, you just walk into CVS and load up your backpack with whatever you want, walk out, nobody's going to do anything. And if they do, they get fired. You know, once you're in that era where you're normalizing San Francisco's doom loop, then you're one step away from third world status. I mean, or second world status, whatever that means. And that's where it feels like we're going with America. And I take no pleasure in that. I'm an American. I don't, I'm not a big flag waving, you know, rah, 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 America, fuck yeah, type of guy or anything like that. But I want, I want people to be safe and I want people to be prosperous and I want people to be free and I want them to be free to say the things that are on their mind. And it feels like a lot of that has gone away. So when Berwin and I are talking about the, the, the destruction of the American empire, we're not even saying that it's necessarily the worst thing, actually. In fact, it has to happen and it has to happen in this, you know, because in order to preserve America, You've got to ditch the empire. You know, you've got to ditch the thousand military bases and the and the world's reserve currency and all of the the horrible things that we've done as a result of having that. And and this this system is going to f fall away and and sort of leave America itself, much in the way the Soviet Union broke apart and left Mother Russia to sort of defend itself and to sort of build back from that. 
that's what we envision for the American empire. It's not necessarily that America itself is going away, but just this, this empire that we have built as a result of having control over the monetary system for a long time and, 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 for, and, and using that to fuel expansion policies and military you know, excursions all over the globe and the way we've pissed off the planet and all these countries that we've double crossed over the years. I mean, Frankly, we've got it coming to us, you know, as the American empire, we're like the bully that's been beating up kids. Yeah. And like one day, you know, that bully comes around the corner and there's like 20 guys just waiting for him. And then that bully gets it and the bully gets stuffed in the locker. And and as an American, listen, I take no pleasure in saying this, but we kind of have it coming to us. I mean, I think it's undeniable based on our behavior around the world. So um, yeah. um, I think people just need to get ready for a day of reckoning. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that, Charlie, because uh, I think in like maybe the 2016, 2017 like era there, the, the U.S. government was actually actively engaging in anti-bullying propaganda that they were pumping out into the public schools and stuff. And, you know, people like us were face palming because it's just so ironic, right? Like, not, not has the, the not only has the U.S. government been a, a global bully, you know, with military conquests. Uh, you know, around the world, but our police officers, they, you know, they're some of the biggest bullies in society and some of the biggest conflict creators. But you said a lot there, Charlie, and so much of it was just so on point, man. That's why I love talking to you. You have a great way of summing, summing all this stuff up and, and really bringing it to a, a point where we could actually talk about it and, and flush out what's going on. And, you know, we often say that uh, culture is downstream from politics, you know, and you were talking there about how the cultural degradation has been, you know, obvious and apparent over the past uh, few years. And that's exactly why I personally have kind of stepped up to the plate to speak more about some of these trans issues. Right. And I know it's a very, very divisive topic. There's not a lot of nuance in the conversation, but it does seem quite obvious that this is something that's being pushed from the top down. And a lot of this is to destabilize masculinity. A lot of this is to destabilize identity uh, and, and these things that threaten the, the establishment and, and the, the cabal, you know? So it, it makes sense why they're, they're pushing so hard for the trans movement. And I just wish and hope that some of our friends who are maybe a little less critical uh, looking at topics like this could maybe see that side of it, right? I mean, it's not just about yeah. being inclusive and, and being accepting of these people. There's much bigger agenda going on. And these are chess pieces being moved on the chessboard. And if we're not smart about it, if we're not calling them out, uh, as you said, it will just eventually be normalized. And eventually, uh, you know, in the course of time, we'll start having these detrimental effects in society that, you know, we're scratching our head like, well, how did it ever get this way and how do we fix it? Much like the drug war. You know, the drug war has yeah. been 52 years in the making. Uh, it's a failed it's a failed policy. You know, in fact, we just did a very power, powerful uh, podcast episode last week uh, about a woman who had Kratom, had eight ounces of Kratom. She crossed uh, she she bought it legally in Florida. She crossed the Alabama state line 200 feet over the state line and she was arrested uh, it was given a million dollar bond, which has now been lowered, but also is now facing 10 years to life for having this plant, you know, and it just enables this extortion racket uh, by this, this, you know, unaccountable gang, the largest unaccountable gang in, in the country, which is the you know police officer and law enforcement. It's been that, that in, in the drug war, mm -hmm. the trans agenda, it feels very artificial to me. 
I'm, I'm, uh, listen, be whoever you want to be. As long as you're not hurting kids, as long as you're over 18, if you want to do something to your body, that's a, you know, you want to make a permanent decision about a temporary feeling, you know, that happens all the time. People get tattoos when they didn't want them. You know, this is, this is just, this is like a very extreme version of that. And I, and I'm, and I want I want people to really know what they're getting into before they get before they go down that path because right now it feels very trendy and 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 almost like a, a, a identity a peer group identity component to it. But what I see the when I put my tinfoil hat on and see this push to normalize the trans issue beyond just the overt sort of cultural uh, confusion that it creates. It also is setting us up for a, mar- a much darker component eventually, and that is that you know we we know about the World Economic Forum, and we know what they have planned, and we know that they talk about the fourth industrial revolution. That's what they want to bring about, and people go, "Well, what's that? That sounds interesting." Well, it's the blending of man and machine into something known as transhumanism. And you go, transhumanism, that sounds cool. That's like, what, if some if you lost your leg in a war, then you'd get a prosthetic leg? You're like, uh, kind of, but it's <laughs> more than that. You know, it's, it's, it's actually injecting or inserting things into you, maybe even brain chips that, that will allow you to be a little bit more than human. Right. And, and so I see this, you know, and it's not just the word trans that they have in common. But but I, I wondered about this. I wondered about this with this push for transhumanism, much in the same way I wondered about the push for genetically modified organisms. I look at that and I go, okay, you can't patent a tomato because it comes from nature. But if you make that tomato one deviation away from nature, can you legally patent it then? And the answer is yes, Monsanto does that, right? So you go, cool. So we'll make genetically modified tomatoes that we can patent and then we own, right? And well, yeah, according to the legal system, you do. And so you go, okay, what about people? Can I do that with people? Can I take a person? Totally. Can I pat? Can I own this person? No, that's slavery. Okay. What if I make this person one deviation less human? Now, can I own them? Ooh, I don't know. We're going to have to look into that. Maybe they're not technically human. Do they have rights? Well, I don't know. These are human rights, but this is not necessarily a full human anymore, right? Remember, they've got a brain chip. They are not officially human. You know, they have mRNA technology in them now. That doesn't mean, you know, so I, I go down this path and I start thinking, are they trying to make people less human for, for some purpose? Are they trying to take control of people legally because they're no longer human. And I start to see passports they're talking about. We're going to make it, you know, male, female, or other. I start to, you know, you start to have a, a, lot, a lot more options when you're filling out paperwork as to what your gender is and things like that. And I just wonder if these technocratic lunatics like Harari and Klaus Schwab and these people that talk about there will be no free will and you'll own nothing and, and be happy. And uh, and then you dig into the origins of the, the term transhumanism and you find that Sir Julian Huxley coined it many years ago and that it was a rebranding of the term eugenics. And you go, well, I know what eugenics is. Eugenics is depopulation. Is this covert depopulation under a different name? And the answer that I come to is yes. 
<laughs> Unfortunately, yes. And so when we start talking about the trans issues and it's like, you know, you have an argument with somebody about, you know, I just want to be free and I just want to be trans or anything. And what, what in my mind, I'm saying there's a much bigger game being played that I don't think a lot of these people have really thought about yet. I think they're just right now in there. I feel like I'm born in the wrong body because I don't have any friends sort of phase. It's like, well, get over that because if you continue down this path, you're going to be non-human and whatever happens as a non-human I worry about because the wrong sorts of people are in charge of the, of the, of the apparatus. So I, that's kind of my, you know, tinfoil hat direction that I go down. Not, not for nothing really, because I, to be fair, I know who these people are and I know what they want and I know they have no respect for us as human beings. And they do talk to us, you know, like we're children and they do say that you'll own nothing and they do say you'll eat the bugs. And so it's pretty obvious they have no respect for us. So I know I'm not, I'm not too far off, even though it's a little, a little wonky to, to, to make this comparison, but eventually you'll get there. You know, this is the David Icke totalitarian tiptoe. You don't go from A to Z all at once or people will notice you go from A to B and then B to C. And I, and I think that that this incrementalism of changing people's minds and changing what gender is and changing what it is to be human and changing what it is to be trans and maybe legally changing what it is to be trans. And it's a slippery slope that eventually takes us into a place where we run the risk of being controlled legally by other people. And of course, um, you you guys all know, we, we, we know what happens when the state has ultimate control. They abuse that power and, and we're always on the receiving end of it. So I think it, it pays for people to 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 pay attention to the trans um, component of this because it's a little bit more than just, um, you know, everybody's got blue hair and, and, and nose rings and everything. It's, there's, there's a diabolical component to it that I don't think uh, the general public's picked up on yet. I mean, I don't doubt that there is like this top level diabolical component to it, but I got, I have a little bit more faith in humanity. Like, you know, like, like Bob Marley said, you can fool some people sometime, but you can't fool all the people all the time. And if you look at, uh, at Western Europe and, and how they, their trans gender affirming model, uh, of healthcare, if you want to call it that has progressed over the last, you know, 15 years, it, they were, they were five or six years ahead of us, right? The England's national health service was like pioneering the hormone blockers for children. And, and they like, they ruined a lot of children over there, but you know, what's happening now, they they're stopping it, you know, and it's not just in England either. It's, you know, it's spreading across, uh, all of Europe who were very heavily into this gender affirming care. And that's because humans are realizing like, man, this is really fucked up that we're doing this to children. I don't think this is a good idea. You know, like the kid, it causes like they're, they're finding out that, that the, the hormone blockers cause osteoporosis in children. And, um, and it's, uh, you know, to put it in perspective, it's a very minute number of children in the United States alone, I believe maybe 5,000 kids total, and the whole country have uh, have undergone undergone some sort of uh, like other than social uh, care, I guess, than right. that, that, that where they would intervene with hormones or surgeries. So it's a very small number. But it, I mean, people have seen what's going on where we've watched it unfold in, in in Eastern Western Europe. And it's it's fucking mutilated people. So the that's logic and reason winning 
you know, and, and, and yeah. so I'm less uh, pessimistic about it taking off over here. I mean, right now I think we're in the, the, probably the peak of it, but it just, these people, like the people that keep promoting this are just so ridiculous and they're like almost caricatures of themselves. And it's very difficult for us to take them seriously, you know, and more and yeah. more people are like, what the fuck, man, you know? <laughs> and so I think that, 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 like, I, I think that they're shooting themselves in the foot, you know, and, and the internet, you know, it, it, it gives, a lot of coverage to this. I mean, look at libs of TikTok. You know, all they do is just put videos of these people saying their own shit. You know, and that like it's it, it's become so ridiculous that uh, it's turning people off left and right. And I, you know, the, I think that uh, if you go and look at the LGBT community right now, it's dividing right now. Right? There's like so many people yeah. speaking out on on TikTok and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, all these the LGBT community is like, what the fuck are you going after children for? Like, I think that logic and reason is winning. And I, and uh, so I, I maintain my optimism about, and you know, in that regard. And, uh, but as you said, I, I do not doubt that it was being pushed by these top level authorities, but I think that humans are a little bit smarter than them. I think that the, the gay and lesbian community will be the ones that pull everybody out of this mess too, because I think it's, it's reflecting poorly on them. It's clearly not there. It's not them doing this and they've never shown a predatory desire for children, you know, to, to want to groom them or do, you know, story hours or anything like that. So it's not they're, it's not them, but they understand that there's some people that don't know the difference between those two groups and they will lump them in. So I think the gay community is going to have to come to the rescue here and straighten out the T community and say, listen, you guys are acting in a way that is uh, bringing a lot of heat on you and by default on us because you're targeting children. You got to knock that stuff off if you want to have uh, drag queen uh, parties and everything. Nobody's saying don't do that. They're just saying don't do it in front of kids. That's the common denominator here is, is that. And, and so I, you know, there is part of me that realizes that, uh, um, the best, the best way to settle this is for the, those members, the sane and rational and logical and reasonable members inside that community to have a, you know, kind of pull the others aside and say, you're you're going down the wrong path here. If you're trying, if you're focusing on kids, you are going to you are going to anger a lot of people, and they're not going to hear your message because once you're talking about kids, your message is irrelevant. And the gay community's done a really good job over the last half century of of being taken, you know, working hard to be taken seriously. And I think that they've I think that they've done that. I don't think anyone even really thinks one way or the other. Um, you know, I don't think being gay is a big deal anymore. I grew up in Palm Springs, California. It's like the gayest place in the world, you know, and like it was totally normalized. And for me growing up, I never really thought it. I mean, it wasn't my lifestyle, but I never had any negative uh, uh, connotations and in, in, in that none of that stuff felt um but if it, it didn't feel too bizarre, it just felt like, oh, well, they're into that and I'm not. But lately it's been feeling like an agenda. And like you said, Matt, like there's, you know, there, there's only a, there, there's a very small percentage of people that are even 
involved in this. And yet it's a disproportionate amount of media coverage, which makes you feel, it makes it feel very inauthentic and like it's being made to happen. And so that I think makes a lot of people ask the question like, well, why are we, why are we seeing this all of a sudden? Like it was nowhere and now it's everywhere. And it feels like it's very much part of an agenda. And why is this part of an agenda? And so that's kind of where, where I am right now with it all. I agree. And it it still seems like there's debate over if they're targeting kids. And I think it's pretty clear the glorification by the media. Uh, But we are running out of time here. I just wanted to mention there is one element, though, that concerns me about all this. It doesn't get really much attention, which is the identitarianism aspect of this. Right. And this is something that's become more prevalent over the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, where you have to know everybody's sexual preference, right? You have to know everybody's dietary preference. You have to know their gender identity. These aren't things that were even thought about 20 years ago, you know, but now it's become the focus and and focal point of who you are and your identity. And I believe it's just one more way that they can divide us. So to me, that's, that's certainly concerning. And I just want to make one other point here. It's pretty interesting back in like the 80s and 90s that there were these like anti-drug campaigns that were produced by the government, right? Like the just say no to drugs. And I don't know if you guys remember the frying pan with the egg and all that stuff. But, you know, here we are 30, 40 years later, and and now they're actually encouraging kids to take drugs, to take these puberty blockers and, you know, estrogen. And if you want to take it one step further, the brain chip eventually too, you know, so it's a brave new world and it's certainly strange, you know, the way it's kind of devolved, but I think it certainly aligns with your theory, Charlie. And I think anybody who doesn't see this as being an element of population control probably just hasn't gone down the rabbit hole far enough. And I would suggest anybody who really needs to kind of glean some perspective on these topics to check out our podcast with Gavin Nasciamento. He's a brilliant writer, a brilliant researcher. We did a podcast about his book, A History of Elitism, World Government and Population Control. Uh, Check that out, the podcast tab at the Free Thought Project. I I know we only have a few minutes left, Charlie. I know that, you know, getting weird is is part of what you do. So I did want to talk about what seems to be this, this huge distraction within the media as of the past couple of days, which is there was recently somebody testified, somebody high up, uh, maybe it was a DOD official, I'm not quite sure, but he basically said that the U.S. recovered non-human biological pilots from crash crafts. Um, of course, Twitter is a rage. You know, everybody's <laughs> posting uh, memes and have their own theories and everything. What's your take on this? I mean. It, we want to know that there's UFOs. That's like something that, you know, is like this, this huge question for society and humanity, but now they're, they're rolling this out and it's almost like nobody believes it. Everybody just thinks it's BS. So like what, what's going on here? Like what's your take on all this? Let, let me jump in real quick and clarify what you just said, because there's not uh that there there's been context. He never said pilots or parts of pilots. That was uh that was just taken out of context. He just said that non-human biologics, were found in these aircraft and which could be cells and tissues of animals and microorganisms such as bacteria or algae or fungi that they often put in these crafts like that as researchers often put in the crafts to see how they react so the 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 whistleblower the ufo whistleblower never did say uh that they found non-human pilots that's that's not true well i i think that i'm i'm very picky when it comes to my disclosure I just, you know, call me old fashioned. I just don't want it to come from the lying liars in the American government. 
because I'm not going to believe them anyway, being delivered to me by the lying American media, which I don't trust either. So, you know, I don't know how exactly I want disclosure, but it's not this way. I don't want I don't want to the Stars Academy that has a hundred years of CIA experience sitting on their board of directors with uh, Lou Elizondo and Jim Semivan. I don't want any of that. That's nonsense. We know that. I don't want con- congressional hearings. This has a very contact feel to me. Um, back in 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 the in the late nineties with that movie where they're going through Senate committees and everything. I, I don't, I don't trust these people. I do recognize that there's a big universe out there and a lot of things are possible and I'm not going to pretend to know how it all works or, or what is and isn't real. I know people that have had experiences that they cannot explain. I know there's some, some high strangeness out there. I've never experienced it, but I'm not dismissive of it just because I haven't. I don't, I'm not going to say that other people's experiences aren't real. I just don't like, I don't like it coming from our government, the, the least trustworthy group of individuals on the planet, really. And, and you know, when they tell me, you know, it's, it's just, it's another invisible enemy. As far as I'm concerned, whether it's terrorists that are just around the corner that are going to get me or whether it's a virus with a 99.98% survivability rate that's just going to get me if I go the wrong direction down the grocery store aisles or it's it's a a carbon dioxide and invisible enemy in the atmosphere that's definitely going to kill us all unless we give up our rights and pay more taxes. It's like and now it's aliens and now it's another invisible enemy that's coming around the corner and you know it it all feels very fake and not 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 the idea of of extraterrestrials i'm i'm open to all of that it just feels really fake when it's being made to happen by congress i mean i don't know about you guys but but in my wildest ufo fantasies they never included Marco fucking Rubio explaining to me that aliens are real. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just going to need a little bit more than that. I'm sorry. So it's a, it's a nice show. It feels like a show, but it, 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 um, I, you know, I, and it feels like it's, it's a show that's going to get renewed and it'll probably be coming around for a a long, long time. And of course I think of the Werner von Braun, Carol Rossin conversation, the last trick, the last trick, the alien, the fake alien invasion, don't fall for the fake alien invasion. You know, so we've been warned about it. You know, we've been told that this is a possibility. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not skeptical of the concept of, of UFOs or mysteries beyond our, our skies. You know, I'm, I'm interested in all of that, but I'm extremely skeptical of who is talking about it and who is reporting on it, because those are two institutions that I have zero trust in, and I will never believe anything that they said about anything. And so if they're going to tell me that UFOs and you know are real and aliens exist, then that's probably the best case for me to believe that none of it is real and none of it exists, <laughs> because I simply do not trust them. But, um, but, but, but it, it's a hell of a show. I'll tell you what, as a writer, as somebody that's sort of like, you know, always looking for content. Oh boy, I couldn't do much better than this. This is like, I feel like the show's just about to start. So, so there's part of me that kind of is, is rooting them on to continue this madness. And then there's another part of me that just says, why don't you guys just shut up and like, let's turn the TV off on these people because they're not to be trusted. Yeah. Well, brilliant answer, Charlie. And uh, the whole world is a stage. So, you know, who knows, who knows what they're trying to roll out or, 
what they're trying to accomplish with this. But I, I'm right there with you. I share that skepticism. You know, I, I, I think it's always imperative. We, we question the official story and question uh, the narratives that they roll out. All right, free thinkers, this episode is nearing the end. We wanted to take this time to remind you, if you found value in this conversation, please consider hitting that like button and subscribing to the Free Thought Project podcast on your preferred platform of choice. It's an easy, no-cost way to support us and ensure you never miss an episode. Also, the Free Thought Project operates primarily on the generosity of our listeners. If you believe in our mission and support our cause, please consider donating or subscribing by going to the membership tab at the top of our website. Your contributions ensure we are able to continue our important work having these important conversations, and your donations help us do just that. Lastly, if you're part of an organization or own a business that aligns with our mission and values, we are currently inviting sponsorships for our podcast. This is a fantastic opportunity to promote your product or make your brand visible to our engaged audience while supporting meaningful discourse. Thank you for your support, Freethinkers, and as always, thank you for listening. Brother, thank you so much for joining us. And, and guys, please follow Charlie and Macroaggressions on Twitter. Also, definitely subscribe to his show, Macroaggressions, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And Charlie, by all means, man, go ahead and plug anything else you'd like our audience to know about. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to be speaking in New York City on the weekend of September 11th, Saturday, September 9th, 2023 at an event called Free World NYC. If people are in the New York City area or going to be around during the weekend of 9-11 this year and want to see a really interesting presentation, I'm going to be there with... Uh, it's being hosted by my friend Billy Ray Valentine, who hosts a show called The Infinite Fringe. Uh, I'll be speaking. Gardner Goldsmith will be there. John Brisson, Tony Arterburn, Wayne McCroy, Don Jeffries, Richard Gage will all be there. So for people that are interested... Eventbrite is the place to go. And if you type in free world NYC, you'll find information about the event. And um, I have never been to New York during 9-11 season. So I'm interested to see what's going on there. And for anybody that wants to connect with me directly, the website is theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com. You can just check it out. And there's information on the books and the podcasts and it's all there. And, And I really appreciate you guys, man. Um, I, you know, and I've been following your work for a long, long time. And I think all of this stuff is cumulative and it all matters and you never know what's going to wake somebody up. And it might be the final straw is somebody goes to your website and sees, reads an article and they go, I never knew this. And it just cracks their brain open. Or maybe they hear part of one of my shows and it, and it, it, it sends them off in a different orbit. And I'm, I'm definitely interested in doing that for people because, like we started talking about at the beginning, the David Ikes of the world did that for me. You know, they put me, they, they started me thinking differently about the world. And I appreciate that. And I am hopeful that your, you know, your work at the free thought project and policing the police and maybe my work with macroaggressions will, um, will have the same result for somebody else. And, and we'll continue this cycle of waking people up to what's really going on. And I always appreciate the opportunity to, to speak to people about that. So thanks guys for having me on. Absolutely, brother. A perfect white pill to end the show. And uh, yeah, man, that's the best we could do. You know, I mean, we're not here to initiate violence. We're not here to impose our preferences on people. So the best thing we could do is plant a seed of knowledge and hope and pray that 
the individuals that we plant that seed of knowledge in could uh, have enough integrity to grow their own tree of knowledge. And Charlie, you're brilliant. Uh, there's a, certainly a reason why you've been in this world for so long and your podcast has over 5 million downloads. So I hope you enjoy the award ceremony in Austin, my friend. And thank you for joining us today to talk about these important topics. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.